Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. I had volunteered to share a message um, that I did not have before last night. <laughs> but um, So bear with me, but there is one thing that I do know. Um, uh, something that he's done in me personally um, is he's really wrote a message on my heart. Like, I don't just put my Bible on a shelf. I try to let it just lay in my heart. And I know that sounds a little cheesy, but, like, it's just so true that I really... I hope that wasn't a sign. I promise you it's true. <laughs> and I will stand on this truth. Uh, but... uh um, so, uh, sing, can you hear me? All right. That does sound different. Wow. Um, okay. Get used to that, Nero. So, uh, but, so just trying to listen to kind of what he was doing in the service as well and what he's kind of showed me this morning before we even got here. Um, you know, I looked out the window at, after I left here this morning, I went back home, I looked out the window, and there is like a perfect white blanket across my front yard, you know? And I'm like, what better than to remember the gospel? And we're taking communion today. Like, what better to do that? And uh, kind of the scripture he immediately gave me with that, I'm going to read it. And I'm not going to have you guys stand, not that I don't honor it. I'm just going to go through a lot of scripture, and I don't want you guys to get all weary on me. Um, so in Second Peter 1, so it's funny, I always joke about, like, when you, when you get in the Bible, the NLT has a lot of therefores, and what I've learned is when I get into a scripture that says therefore, I need to go find out what it's there for, <laughs> you know what I mean, the word therefore. So in Second Peter 1, if you go up to verse 3, it talks about growing in faith. And it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Say divine. Divine nature, you're sharing it. And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, I'm going to skip down just for the sake of time. I, I challenge you to continue reading that later. But then it comes in and it says, therefore. So therefore, as, as you see that now, that you get to share in his divine excellence, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And he goes on and says some other things about he's going to continue to remind. So that's the scripture he really gave me for today to start out with anyways, is it's okay to go back to things that we've already been taught, to really establish them in our hearts. So the big thing that I, I just see him speaking this morning, even through all the songs, is 
the great news, the gospel. And so, so trying to, I guess, listen to his spirit and, and what he's taught me and allow him to move this morning, that's where I think he's taking us, is he's going to take us on a ride of the good news. And the reason being, too, is you think back when um, the shepherds were in the field and the angels came. And they said, fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. So, and I'm not speaking necessarily about anybody in this room or anything. I just, I, I, when I talk about the body of Christ, I mean across the globe. Um, so I see us as a whole. Now, I also see what we've been, you know, called to here as well. But normally when I talk about the body and the church, I mean the entire body of church. But when I look across things sometimes, you know, he had showed me kind of in my own walk, in my own personal endeavors, my own shortcomings, all this stuff. He had showed me one time, Daryl, the fact that you don't have joy shows that you don't understand the good news. Because the good tidings, the good news is what that means. The good news just brings the great joy. When you actually establish that as your truth, it's hard to grow weary in that. Because it is the greatest news that's ever came and ever will come. And that's why he says, preach it to all creation, not just people. All creation. I promise you, I have raccoons in my pole barn that are saved, and I have a hard time shooting them now. I used to shoot them, but I'm like, they're saved. I don't think I should do that. And they're multiplying, so it's the gospel at hand. <laughs> like... So it's that transformation when you hear the good news um, and, and, and establishing that truth. Now, it's so hard because there's so much here. Lord, just help me not be muddy and speak this so clearly how you speak it to my heart. So with that, I want to I go through kind of the cross first. So... When I was young, I'm not saying it was ever taught this way. I'm not trying to point out right and wrongs. That's not what I'm up here for. Um, but when I was young, how I perceived the gospel that got preached to me, whether they meant it this way or not, I seen it as look at Jesus on the cross, and you should feel sorry for him, and you should apologize. That's kind of how I took the gospel for a long time. And that's condemnation. And it says, for those in Christ, there are no guilt, shame, or condemnation anymore for those who are in Christ. But that is, in my mind, at, at a young age, that's how I perceived it. I would see it. They would beat them in front of us, or in front of my head, my brain. They would beat them, and I would feel so guilty that I'd run up to the altar and go, I'm so sorry, and I don't want to be this way. And I lived my life like that for years and I finally just go, you know what? If I'm going to hell, I'm going in a limousine. And I lived my life that way for quite some time. But here's the cool thing about the gospel is it says, even while we were yet sinners, he sent his son. And I finally, he loved me. It says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So his goodness of always being there for me when I didn't even want him. I didn't even want to be there. I don't want you here. I just want to live my life. And he kept pursuing me. And I couldn't outrun him. 
Mainly because, like, I, I, I don't mean to ever exalt anybody above him, but, like, I have a praying mom. When, we, when I helped out with youth, I'm like, if your mom prays, just give up and turn to him. Because you're going to make such a rough life for yourself. You cannot outrun the grace of God. The love of God that surpasses all knowledge is to be filled with the fullness of him. So that's what he continually does in all of us. And to be in this position now with kids myself, it's harder to grow weary when I truly think about the gospel. Because I see what it's done in my life. I've seen what it's done in a lot of your lives. So it's about believing. Believing means fully convinced. And that's what it means to believe in Christ. To, to be fully convinced this is truth. And this is our struggle. We sang about it. We sang, uh, I'm trying to think of the lyrics and it's not coming to me. Um, but we sing about, you know, how it's his victory. I'm going to see the victory, but it's his victory. For the, Lord, the battle belongs to the Lord. And then, but then we insert us and we try to win the battles. And if I can paint a picture of what he's done for us, it's no longer trying to do it in our own effort. He says, even if you did it good, it's still like a filthy rag to me. So go back to the belief that he's done it, and then now what? Now we just stand in truth. The Bible says when you've done all you can do to stand, you stand. So you stand in the truth knowing that he's already won it. So what are we doing? We're not battling. We're occupying what he has already won. And he says, stand on this truth here. And I promise you, no matter what comes your way, I got you there for a reason. No matter if it's a giant, no matter if it's a flood, no matter what it is, all things are possible when you put it in my hands and believe that I'm the one that came to save you. But we've been so taught and trained from babies. I think of it this way. We've been taught and trained, and I've done it to my kids, and I'm trying to reverse it. <laughs> I'm not trying to unlearn them, but I'm trying to teach them a better way. But we, we teach kids to be adults immediately. Quit crying. Quit doing this. Grow up. And the Bible says, unless you come to me like a child. So he showed me this one day. The Holy Spirit showed, now, now you got to pray for me because I forget things. And that's what I'm saying here is it's establishing this truth and reminding ourselves of these things. That's why you take communion. You remember what he's truly done for us. But what the Holy Spirit showed me with my own kids, that he, he, he basically told me, Daryl, don't, don't try to teach them to be a better adult than you are. Teach them how you come to me. Teach them how you're a child. Because I'm the one that gives you the answers. And I would go to my kids and go, well, the Lord says, instead of going, I'm going to go show you where I get my answers. And sit down in front of the Lord with my kids and teach them how to be children of the Lord and not just children of mine. And not just use the scripture that you're supposed to obey your parents if you want to live a long life. I've done that. <laughs> so it's teaching myself as well and letting my kids know that I'm being taught as well. You know, the Bible is all about if, if, if you think you know it all, oof, 
You're on a, yeah, you're on a big, I mean, that's why, if, if I'm honest, if I can sideline here for a second, that's why in this house, this particular house, I'm not calling any house wrong or anything, the reason why you see so many speakers up here in a team is because we don't believe one person has the answer, so we're trying to get all the perspectives and paint his big picture. It's not to confuse anybody. It's to keep that perspective alive, to not grow into that arrogance of, I need to come up with a better message. I need to come. That I has now become we. And if I say I, I apologize. I promise my heart is coming out of that I stuff. But anyway, so if we get to the cross and really understand what he's done on that cross. So it says, he who knew no sin became sin. So that, how does that feel? I'm, I'm losing the, there's two scriptures that are very, very similar, and I, and I mixed them up. But, but he became sin is the point of it. He became sin. So quit looking at Jesus at that point. It's our punishment on a cross. You think about it, he says, as Moses raised the serpent, so too shall the Son of Man be raised. And I, I have a guy that I listen to that has really established this knowing in me. And he said, he says it like this. So as Hebrew people, when you put a pole and put something dead on that pole, it means it's cursed by God by Hebrew culture. And that it can't do anything. So in, in, in that wilderness, they're getting bit by snakes. And they're going, Moses, go to God and tell him, like, help us. And, he, and God tells, tells Moses to, to do the bronze snake and put it on a pole. And then all of a sudden, they, were, they weren't hurt by it anymore. So let's really look at that, what it's painting. So sin is now cursed by God. And if it bites us, it no longer has power. It is cursed by God because we understand what he's done. And that is the knowing the true gospel, the knowing, the belief that he has totally took our sin away. I, I was thinking about the blanket of snow that's out there. And underneath it is mud and dirt and ice. And he covers that, not to make it look good. Because what happens in the spring? It flourishes again. And it says in the Bible that he clothes us with a robe of righteousness. Righteousness is so much different than rightness. Righteousness, like rightness points out wrongs. Righteousness fixes them. And we are clothed with that. And that's what we go and do. We go and try to do the will of God by fixing the things that were wronged into rights. Not to point out that you're wrong and I'm right. That's religion. And it's a tough one not to get caught up into. So we pray for those people. We pray for us as well so that we don't step into it. It's not that we got it right and they got it wrong. And The one thing that I've really learned following God is the, the nature of how we talk about God. A lot of times we look at a dying and corrupt world and we're asking Jesus to come back and save it. 
And the, the thing is, if you miss it, the rescue mission has already happened. Jesus already sent his son. He already sent the answer. So if we're still waiting for a rescue, I think we're missing something. Because he said, it's even greater that I leave so that the helper can come. He is the firstborn among many. So one died so that we all can become sons and daughters of Christ. The gospel is so much bigger than sometimes we allow ourselves to grasp. Now, I, I, I want to paint this too. Um, what do I do? Oh, here it is. So let's go into Romans 5. Oh, yeah, four, because five starts out with a therefore. So we're going to go back and see what it's there for. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I guess, warn our hearts. So Romans 7 is a hard one because it tends to show our fleshly side. But if we don't read 4, 5, and 6, 7 is out of context when we get to it. So that's where I'm kind of going to, so that we can get into eight. I'm going to try not to read all of it. I just want to get, get a firm understanding of all this. So Romans 4 says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And I think it might be up further. I do believe it talks about also Sarah and her unwavering faith. Now, if you go back to the book of Genesis, they wavered. And I don't mean to exploit that because this is the picture I'm trying to paint is not exploiting that. But Sarah laughed at God, then lied to him. So you can't tell me she didn't waver. But the cool thing about the gospel, is it shows you that when you believe in Christ, he remembers your sin no more, as if it's never been done. It's called grace. Grace covers, and then grace empowers you to walk what you want to walk. By the knowledge of him, say it that way. So Abraham never, never wavered is what this says. And then it says, faith brings joy. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. We can rejoice too. Catch this. We can now, now that we know that none of this is going to be held against us, now when trials come, we can count it all joy. And that's the true message coming to life in our hearts because good tidings of great joy. Now when I get rained on, it's no longer a pity party for one. It's a table set for my character and my endurance to grow. And that's where he goes to. He says we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know 
They help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. And then it talks about not knowing, and then it talks about Adam and Christ, or yeah, Adam and Christ contrasted. So how sin entered one into the world, life through another has entered back through the world. And then it talks about grace, and it talks about how much grace not only covers us, but empowers us. And then you open up six, and it says, well then, should we keep sinning so grace abounds? Because my sin highlights how good God's character is to receive me. And then it goes on, it says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how could we continue to live in it? He says, or have, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we were joined in his death? For we died and buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also have new life. And then seven, the, the heaviness of seven. I used to read Romans and see this uphill battle. I'm like, are we awesome or are we not? Are we going to stay in sin or are we not? Until I finally listened to what the Spirit was saying through Romans here. But it says that we're no longer bound to the law. So it's no longer that we're trying to look at our sins and clean up our act. He's cleaning up our act. We have totally submitted to the Father and believe and trust in this one thing, that he's the one that does it all, that he's the one that sent his son to redeem us as if we've never slept with the world, as if we'd ne it says to present us as a chastened virgin, as if nothing has ever defiled us, is why he died to present us that way. But it's us that remember our sins. He says, I'll remember them no more, but we go but we're going to keep sinning. You know, we're only human. But if you read about what he created humans to be, how can we say that? He said, you've been created in the image of God. Both female and male created in the image of God. Now go multiply. I promise you there was no lustfulness when he said that. He didn't say go breed like rabbits. He said multiply this image. So it's, it's understanding that his image is what, 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 what we need to behold, not our fleshly nature. You know, it talks about Abraham and cutting, you know, circumcising himself. And then they have to get back into circumcision in the New Testament and go, whoa, 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 whoa. It, it's, it's more than just the fact that you cut it away. It's do you believe this truth? That's what makes you friends with God. When you believe, it says, belief is faith, right? So faith, it says it's impossible to please God without it. But we go on doing it, and we call it God. We go, well, I'll do everything I can until God does what he can. And it's a wrong mindset. I'm not saying our hearts don't mean right, but it's not the good in heart that will see God. It's the pure in heart. 
So being pure before the Lord, totally submitted to what his word says. I promise you, I've read this Bible enough in it anyways to where it's where I've read it and I go, I don't like that at all. And then you read it again and you're like, eh, I'll come back to that later. And then you go to church and they start preaching on it and you're like, I still don't like it. And he's, will you answer? I'm at your door. Will you let me in? Because I'm not going to ransack your house. I want to be invited in. And that's where that good prayer comes in, that, that useful tool that somebody developed over the years to pray a prayer of salvation. It's not a bad prayer, but it's not a prayer that leads you to the Father. It's a total heart of submission to him. And I've tried it on my own, and I'm ready to lay down my will for yours. And I put you, Lord, over my life, Lord, over my feelings, not for my feelings, over my feelings. He's not a servant that serves your feelings and our needs. He never promises you easy times. If anything, he says, hey, the fact now that you have the privilege to, to share this life with me, you also have the privilege to share in my suffering. Same reason why when we say long-suffering, I don't like it, and nobody talks about it. <laughs> it's part of the walk. But if you don't understand the good news, you're going to grow weary in it. If you cannot establish it, root it down in you that the, that's, he's just the greatest. What he's done for me, he's ready to do for everybody. So... so whether good times or bad times, hell or high water, how we say, we are going to serve the Lord in the sense of I'm his child, not as I'm his servant. Because servanthood doesn't quite get you there. They talk about it in the Old Testament about concubines. Concubines, from my understanding, are women that the king or whatever would sleep with, but they never got alone time with. We're not concubines. We don't just get used by the Father. We're a bride. Come in and spend time with me. So the gospel paints this picture, but here we get to Romans 7, and Paul talks about, I'll just read the subtitle. So it says, no longer bound by the law. God's law reveals our sin. So we're no longer judged by the law. The law was put there to show us that we need God. And God's re law reveals our sin. And then it says, struggling with sin. And then Paul writes this. Why he put it in there, I don't know. <laughs> I do know, but it just, it creates so much diversity across beliefs. And he says, in verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself, or I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing, what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law. That's good news. So I am not the one that's doing the sin. It's sin living within me that does it. And now, and I know that now good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I don't do what I want to do, I am not really doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. 
I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God with law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am, he says. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And that's normally where the sermon stops. But keep reading. It says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So now, now you see the picture he's painting. If you keep trying to do what is right in your own flesh, you're going to fall short. Because it's not that I want you. Like I, I, it's almost like he appreciates our effort, but he's like, you, you people, put your trust and hope in me. And I will do this stuff. And then we will do it. Because then I'll give you the authority to do it too. But then you have this concept that you're not doing it on your own. So we, you don't grow weary in the desert and stuff because you know it's him that's doing all this stuff. And here's where it gets good. Romans 8. We have to get to Romans 8. It says, life in the spirit. Woo! It says, so there is now no condemnation for those who belong in Christ. So if you fall, you have an advocate to the Father, but it's not when you sin, it's if you sin. And we just put our hope and trust in the Spirit of God. And we build a house for Him to dwell in. It says that we're temples of the Holy Spirit. And understanding this, understanding that he's for us and he's not against us, that he'll never leave us or never forsake us, that's what we have to put our hope in. That's what we have to put our belief in because if we put it in feelings, one day it's going to feel like he's not there with us. One day we're going to look with our eyes and pray and nothing happens. And if we do not establish this belief, this gospel in our, in our knowers and in our hearts, we're going to be like tossed in the waves like ships in the sea, going back and forth to doctrine to doctrine. But if you know this thing, if you know that he said he'll never leave me or never forsake me, then when you pray, you don't have to go, hmm, is that God's will? I've already read that it was. So I put this truth, and I stand on this truth, and I don't have to go back and pray again. I don't think it hurts to pray again, but I'm not going to pray again in the sense of allowing doubt to build a house there. I think about this. like I, Throughout my walk, I would always try to apply a sermon in the middle of the storm, and I'm already too late because I'm trying to build this house of faith and I'm seeing too much evidence that's contrary to what I'm trying to build. But that's why he says, get alone in secret place, and I will build my church. You won't, I will. And I'm going to build this in your heart. What did he say to Peter? He said, he said who, who do people say that I am? And nobody says anything. No, Peter finally goes, you're the Christ, the Son, the Messiah, Son of the living God. And Jesus fires back. He says, blessed are you, Peter. 
For no human man has taught you this but my Father in heaven. And Peter means rock. And this is what I'm going to build my church on. And I'm going to establish it, grow it. What is he going to build it on? Not Peter. Peter misses it in the next sentence, I think. <laughs> says, get behind me, Satan. It's not Peter himself. It's who, is, who does God say that he is? The identity of Christ revealed. And that's what we put our hope and our belief in. But if we don't do that, one day we might get together, and I'm not declaring this by any means, but it can happen. If we don't declare that, when we get together and we understand that there's gifts in each one of us, and when I come up to a meeting and I say what I need to say, and they don't use it, well, I won't say that ever again. They don't want to use what I got to say. What's the gospel say? Deny yourself. I understand what he's put in me. I get it's valuable. He paid the heaviest price. Let's go back to the cross. He sent his only son. Heaven went bankrupt for the potential that he's seen in man. I think it's in the Old Testament. I can't even remember where it's just coming up. Of You know, what is your deal, Lord, with man? What is, what is this love affair that you have with us? That you would send your son, you would go bankrupt to win us back. And we sell cheap in high-minded thinking. We sell cheap in preferences. We sell cheap in circumstances. When the Bible declares you have been bought with a high price, we cannot sell cheap anymore. I'll tell you this. From, from understanding the gospel, as much as he's given me understanding, there's so much more to learn, I promise. But it's pushed me to live it, to start acting on it. And, you know, I, I have. I've, I've done wrong things, and he's corrected me, and that's what's so awesome about the Holy Spirit. He finally trained me enough to go, Daryl, you beat yourself up for three weeks after I finally tell you something that's wrong with you. And you will beat yourself up for three weeks. You won't want to touch the microphone, but I've called you to it. But you don't even want to touch it because you feel so defiled. And I didn't point that out to make you feel guilty. I pointed that out because I want you to work on it. And I'm right here with you. And so then it changed my prayer time in the morning to Lord help me to Lord thank you. I thank you that I get to put this on because that's what he says, put, on the, put off the old and put on the new. We can't put off the old if we're always dwelling on the old. The Bible says if anybody that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. Look at Lot's wife. She turned into a pillar of salt. Revelation says this, it says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because they did not love their own life unto death. So here's the thing. It's not that we don't have a testimony, but it's no longer my story. I've traded my story for his. I'm like, you know what? I tried it this way, and I'm done. I trade it. And he goes, redeemed. And he goes, now, now that you're redeemed, don't just stand and obtain re redemption. Go multiply it. Show that he sent 
his son to redeem, redeem the time, the days are evil. It's all written in this word. There's so much that's pointing from the Old Testament. It's pointing at one thing and the New Testament pointing at one thing. And his name is Jesus Christ. And that is where we build his church with him. Not for him, with him. He's the one that's doing it. It's, it's, you know, I think it's in Philippians 2. It says he's the one that does the work inside us that pleases him. But you think about like the, the clay and the potter. If you, if you think about the clay, the clay has to be moldable. It's got to be shapeable. It's got to have so much hydration in it. It's got to be red, pliable. But if we go to God and take his word and try to fit it in our lives instead of fitting us into his, we're going to live an upside-down life like Romans 7 says. And it's not that if any of that happens, it's not that like, oh, great, I'm living Romans 7. It's noticing it. That is the greatest place to be as a Christian. When the light bulb hits and you go, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. But I thank you for being there and showing me that that's not where you want me. It's pruning. He prunes those who he loves. He even corrects us. That's not always fun. I'll let somebody else preach on that one. Though. It's the gospel. <laughs> so let me look at some. So, I'll wrap up with this. So, we stand in knowing. It says that he wants all men to come to the knowledge of him. Eternal life is this, that you may know me. It's all about knowing who he is, not about who he is. Knowing about him does not have power. Knowing him is where the power lies. But we don't seek him for his power. We seek him because he's amazing. <laughs> There's nothing like him. And, and I can almost see on everybody's face, we all have had that aha moment with him. So it's reminding, putting, putting stones of remembrance, not to look back on in the sense of keeping us there, Remembering that he's touched us our whole lives, that he's always been with us, that, that we can go together with this truth. And, and instead of it being such a personal walk with him, that it then begins to multiply into this beautiful bride in this body. And we just get to take our place of where we know him and encourage other in the faith. But the one thing that happens is there's an imitator of light. So if we don't know this truth, it's very easy for it to be stolen, killed, or destroyed. And he didn't say our, our weapons are mighty in healing people. Our weapons are mighty in delivering people. He said our weapons are mighty for pulling down of strongholds in principalities, things that are lies or contrary to the word of God. 
I've studied the Bible enough to know this, that, that light can easily, it means more than this, but just in a simple demonstration here, light means wisdom, knowledge, together, and darkness is ignorance. Speaking of, if you go to the book of Jude, I feel that really in my spirit. So you think about light and darkness. Jude only has one chapter, so if they ever say Jude 2, they're lying. Um, <laughs> but uh, but so, so if you think about light and darkness, light is the wisdom of God, the light bulb of God, put it that way. The understanding, his true revelation, his rhema, all of it. The understanding of what he says about things, not what we've been taught. And darkness is anything contrary to that. Now listen to this. It says, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write you about salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write you about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all his holy people. I saw this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into churches saying God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you already, uh, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within their limits of authority God gave them but left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness. That's where they reign, in our ignorance. And the minute you give an ignorant thought life with your mouth, you put it to flight. A lot of the drama that we deal with on a daily basis is because we speak nasty things about our circumstances instead of speaking truth. But the word of God says our weapons are mighty and powerful in pulling down this stuff if we can just stand in this truth. So when we know these things and we put on all this knowledge that he's given us, isn't he so amazing that he lets us have some of the part of the plan? And he loves us so much, it's in the love chapter. He said one day he'll put away with the not knowing. But right now he wants us to so rely on him and his body to reveal the truth together. So when you get into to circumstances that look like God's not there, I encourage you, I urge you to call out his word. Because I am a child of God, and my God does not lie. And even though I can't see it right now, I know you're working. We sing about it. Do we believe it, though? So as we go out with this truth, understand that this is... This is what he truly wants, us to believe him. He doesn't want us to please him. By believing, we please him. It's that simple. It's so simple. 
that we decide that we're going to make it harder and we pick up our past. But the gospel says you have to first deny yourself. It even means deny yourself the ability to think that you can miss it. Because with God, all things are possible. You can't fail him. He took that out. That's what Romans talks about. He said, hey, sin, the power of that, of failing is gone. The power of doing good and doing wrong is gone. When you live in the me, when you're in the vine, there you go, when you're in the vine, you produce good fruit. Why? Because you're in his tree. I just think about, like, I think I said this before in here, but, like, I think about the blueberry bushes that I have. I don't think they're out there going, come on, cherries. <laughs> they're blueberry trees. We need to know that about us. We're little gospels, gospel trees. <laughs> Children trees. We don't have to think about fruit. We live in him, and fruit just comes out of us. So, Lord, we thank you for your good news. And, Lord, I hope that you just establish it in our hearts to where we don't have to grow weary in it anymore, to grow weary in our well-doing. Because we know that we're just alone with you and you're pushing us to, to be this body. And it's no longer a pass or fail. You showed us that we pass through your son. And we give thanks that he won all the battles for us. Because we know how the story ends. We now can live for you. So, Lord, I pray for everybody. We take this understanding that we don't have to try to do healing anymore. That it's just part of who we are. So, Lord, we just lift your word up back to you. And we ask you to, to heal our body. For the people that are out sick... Lord, I just ask you to just give them a kiss today. That we're not trying to muster up faith and build a faith building in the middle of a storm that you've already established your heart in this church and your word won't return void. And we say forgiven is healed and healed is forgiven. And we know you've forgiven us all, so we know you heal us all. So help us understand these things, Lord, as we keep walking with you. Uh, enlighten us your truth your mysteries reveal those to us so that we can run the race well and encourage more people and we thank you for this in Jesus name Amen. we want to thank you for listening in today at the well we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after him if you would like to find out more please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.